All right. Man, I love Sunday mornings. Holy moly. This is fun. It's just fun. Oh. If I had known I could have had the Sunday off <laughs> next time, right? Like, that would have been some, you know, something that could have been brought to my attention yesterday. Uh, man, it's just so awesome. I love, I just love God using everybody. It's just so cool to see the body of Christ all coming together, not about competing with one another, just fulfilling the message of the gospel. And that's to tell people about Jesus. And it fires me up. It's so, so humbling to be a part of this. And we're all a part of it. We really are. The body of Christ is coming together and God is on the move. Come on, y'all. Um, uh, we're going to continue our series this morning on relationships, and this is a fun one. It is Mission Sunday, and so today we are going to be talking about our relationship, us as believers, with the world, okay, which is an interesting relationship that I think we have right now, and I want to take a, a bit of a different slant on it this morning, and I want to talk about anger, because I believe that there's a lot of believers, a lot of people that love Jesus who are internally struggling with anger right now. And we don't really know what to do with it. And so we have these emotions in us of, of anger and, and we're, we're using them in all sorts of different and wrong ways and it's manifesting itself in ways that it really shouldn't. And so I want to discuss this morning how we engage in the world and the things that we're seeing that cause fear and frustration and, yes, anger, and what we do with those feelings this morning, and what especially, what does the Bible say about anger? And, and I'll be honest with y'all, uh, my first inclination when I engage with the world, and when I say the world, I just mean anything that's not of Jesus right now, and it's getting really clear what those things are. You know, the camouflage is being taken off a little bit more. The, the enemy's getting a little more bold these days. I don't know if you've noticed that. But my first inclination is to get angry. And I'm not talking about this, you know, uh, this righteous indignation, this holy anger, right, that makes me fall to my knees and just pray for the world like a good pastor and Christian. And, oh, I'm so mad at the report, so I'm going to fall on my knees. I'm going to pray, which is what I should do. I'm talking about good old-fashioned, I'm not walking with Jesus, I'm going to be all kinds of sinning right now, anger, right, that I'm going to have to repent for later. That is my first inclination, and it's wrong. It's very wrong. I've mentioned before that I've gotten rid of, you know, I've taken off all social media off my phone and, and Instagram and Facebook, all that stuff, and I would love to say that my motivation for getting rid of all social media is because I just want to be a better husband and more attentive. And I want, to, I, want to be, I want to be engaged with my daughters at home. And I'm going to spend that time reading the Bible and just seeking the Lord. But the real reason that I got rid of those things is because every time that I got on, I became a, a good old-fashioned, dirty, rotten sinner. All right? It wasn't about me being holy. It was about me being terrible. And so I didn't like how I felt. I was being judgmental as all get out. I would, I, would, I would let fear come in and I would get angry and I, I would just have these feelings come in and I'm telling you, it, it was weighty and it wasn't just as soon as I put my phone down, all those were gone. No, I would take that with me and I would have all this anger and I didn't know what to do with it. And what we find out a lot of times is with this anger, when we think that we're operating in the Lord, what we're really doing is we are pushing people away, away, away like crazy, because we're not doing what the Bible tells us to do. We're not following what Scripture tells us to do. 
Here it is right here. Ephesians 4 verse 26 says, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. All right, so what, what, we're, what the Bible is saying here is that when we operate in anger, all right, when we let it control us, we're, not only are we not doing good, but we're inviting the devil into our lives to take a foothold over on our heart and our actions. And I want to say, look, Anger in and of itself is not a sin. Anger is something that God has given us to know how to pray for things, right? And know how to love people more. So that when we see things that aren't of Scripture, that aren't of Jesus, we don't, we're not just passive about it and shrug our shoulders and say, well, okay, well, that doesn't really affect my heart and my attitude in any way. No, we react with an anger that leads us to Jesus and Him, but doesn't control us. The only thing that needs to be controlling us is the Holy Spirit. Because as we let anger in, we let the enemy in. And he gets a foothold in our hearts. And once he does that, then he starts controlling our actions. So we need to understand and question when we are doing things, when we are posting things on social media, when we are having conversations, are we letting our anger control our words? Are we letting anger control our posts? Because when we are, we're, we're letting the devil in to whatever we're doing in those moments. And he has a foothold and it causes all sorts of trouble, all sorts of backwards thinking and all those things. I want to read John chapter 18, verse 10 and 11. And, and what we're going to read here, the context of this is so important. It's so important what is going on and to see how Jesus himself reacts. As he is in the garden, and he's, he's literally in the process of being arrested so that he can go endure the most brutal death of all mankind for absolutely no, nothing that he did wrong, right? He is an innocent man, and he is being arrested with no charges against him, and the death that he is about to endure is the most ultimate, painful, excruciating death. And this is how he reacts to it. Starting in verse 10, it says, Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? So here Jesus is, right? And here Peter is, a disciple of Jesus. Peter, a fisherman. Peter, holding a sword, right? Peter, a fisherman, holding a sword. Trying to engage with military as a fisherman, okay? In other words, he's holding a sword. Why, why, is, why does Peter even have a sword? He's a fisherman. He doesn't know how to use it. And we see that because the best he can do is lop an ear off. Like, come on, if he knew what to do, he, he would have hit, you know, the target a little bit better than just a simple ear. But he's angry. He's angry at what is happening to his Savior. And so he thinks that it is his responsibility to protect Jesus. And how laughable is that? That after seeing everything that Jesus did, Jesus was the one that walked on water. Jesus was the one that healed the blind. He, Jesus was the one that cast out the demons. Jesus is the one who raised himself from the dead. It is not our responsibility to protect Jesus. It is his responsibility to protect us. 
But we get it backwards so much because we want to defend him. We want to, look, we know the ending. There's nothing to defend. The truth does not need defense. Okay, it doesn't. We know how it ends. Jesus, y'all, is a big boy. He can handle himself just like he could in the garden. And we see here that who gets corrected? Not the Roman guards, not Malchus. Peter gets corrected. He's the one trying to defend Jesus, and he's the one that gets corrected by Jesus. He says, what are you doing? Put that away. I have a plan, and this is part of it. They think that they're beating me, but I'm telling you now, they're not. Okay, listen, the enemy right now thinks that is beating the church. He ain't, okay? He ain't. So we don't need to go around talking and acting as if he is. We can walk around with a quiet confidence or a loud confidence in worship and sing songs like he reigns above it all because he does. And so let's not worry about trying to defend a God that doesn't need our defense and handling a weapon that we can't handle. And that's what we do. That's what anger is. When we operate in our flesh with anger, we are using a weapon that we don't know how to use. And what we do is we cause more destruction than we do good with it. All right, let's keep going. Thank you, Jesus. First Corinthians, Paul writes to the church of Corinth in chapter 13. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. So what is our role in this? What do we do with this anger, with this frustration that we're feeling? We don't get mad at people. We love people. We love them because what this world is, is really saying is, I need Jesus. They're screaming at y'all, and they don't even know it. But everything that they're doing, how they're searching and saying this, I mean, it's ridiculous. And all of it says is, I am desperate for a savior. They might be saying with their words, I hate you, but what they're really saying is, I need it. And so what we need to do is not get angry with them, but understand where they're coming from. Saying, we got to love them. And what Paul is addressing here in Corinth with this church is they were so obsessed with the gifts of God, especially tongues. And so Paul's addressing it. And he's saying, look, you can speak in, in the tongues of men and of angels. Think about that. You can speak as angels speak. And if you are not loving people, it's worth nothing. It's worth nothing. I can sit and listen to um, our incredible drummer, Robbie Delaney, all day long. He's a ripper. He's, he's, he's rolling his eyes right now because he hates the attention. That's why I picked him. That's why I'm picking on him because I love him. He rips. And if there's no band and he was just in here playing, I would just sit in the back and just listen because he knows how to play his instrument. And it sounds good. But if you get someone on the drums that does not know how to play, and there's a lot of people that are like that, they think they're drummers, and you're just not, all right? 
<laughs> it's one of those instruments like, yeah, I can play. Like, no, you're terrible, actually. But if you get someone on drums that doesn't know how to play it, it sounds awful. It's an, it's an irritant. It's like nails to the chalkboard. And that's what Paul is saying here. If you have the gifts of tongues and you can speak like angels and you don't have love, it is an irritant to the ear. It is like nails to the chalkboard because you're not using it the right way. It's to love other people. And so you might think that you're gaining something with all of this, but all you're really doing is just puffing up yourself. Because if it's not done out of love, it's nothing. It's nothing. That's how important love is. And that's why, yes, we are being courageous and being in faith, saying we are going. We're going into the world. Because if we just sit here on Sunday mornings and if we just have this school where we teach all this stuff and we don't do love, it's nothing. It's nothing, y'all. And we don't want to be like that. That's not going to be our testimony. I want to go back in verse 2. It says, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. In other words, if I know the Bible inside and out and I can quote scriptures, that might sound great to you. You might like the sound of your own voice. But if you're not loving people, you gain nothing. You might give and be the biggest tither in the world and, and do all these things for charity and whatever. But if you're not doing it out of love, you gain nothing. You can live your whole life going to church every Sunday, tithing every week, memorizing from Genesis to Revelation. But if you don't love God and love people, it's for nothing. Paul is not mincing words here, and neither are we. How do we react to the world? We love them. That is our only choice. We have such an opportunity. We have such an opportunity to reach the world like never before right now. Because they're walking in fear, and we're not. We can tell them, you don't have to walk in fear. But if we, all we ever do is engage in arguments, in debates, they're going to continue to walk in fear. Here's the thing. I'm, a couple things here. Being right is the most overrated accomplishment you can possibly achieve in your life. I'm serious. And we strive for it like crazy. And so we engage in what we call debates. And really they become arguments. All for the sake of being right. And let's just say, let's just say we end up being right in an argument with someone who doesn't agree with our faith. We feel good for a second. They leave feeling dejected. And all we've done is pushed them away for the sake of us being right. The only thing right is that we need Jesus absolutely as much as they do. That's what's right. And also what we do when we engage in that is we, go down, we become like them and we disqualify our faith a lot. Because what they see then is not someone who is set apart and who is different and who has Jesus, but they see someone who is just like them. And why would I need Jesus if you're just like me? All for the sake of trying to be right. And that's not just engaging with the world, but that's with our marriages, that's with our friendships. Listen, life is not about being right, it's about being loved. It's about loving other people. All right, rant over. Sorry. That might have been in my notes. It might not have been. I don't know. Um, 
Romans 12, starting in verse 9, says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. You know, the thing about loving people that is so important that we need to understand is that, the, we, and we've said this before so many times, the devil is really, really, really doing his best job to create division in, in the world, in the church, in families, across the board. Across the board. And it doesn't matter what side of the line you're on, on, on really anything, as long as there's division, because the, the enemy knows that if there's division, then there's not unity. And if there's not unity, then there's not God's blessing. Because that's where his blessing comes from. He commands a blessing when there's unity. And so rather than trying to just argue our differences all the time, why don't we find what's similar about us, and that's that we all need Jesus, and then the unity will come. But meanwhile, the devil's just having a field day, laughing like crazy at all this division that he's creating. We got to stand against that. Keeps going. Verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. And here's our quick instruction manual. It's, it's three things that Paul gives us in verse 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. You want to know how to handle maybe this anger that you're feeling, this frustration that you're feeling? Here it is right here. Rejoice in hope. We have the hope of Jesus Christ. Let's rejoice in that. I'm tired of giving the enemy all the spotlight. Let's put hope on the pedestal. Let's talk about the hope of Jesus in all this. Not what we see on the news. Not this and that and the other thing. But let's bring Jesus into all these conversations be patient in tribulation. God's got it. He reigns above it all. And be constant in prayer. Be constant in prayer. Verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And here's where it gets real fun. Bless those who persecute you. <laughs> Bless and do not curse them. In other words, don't in one breath bless them and in the next breath Curse them. I love that he says this because this is us. It's so us. You know, at church, I'm going to bless my enemies and then we get home and I hate my enemies, you know? And just like that, well, I blessed them. Didn't say anything about not cursing them. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. There's no loophole there. Paul says, look, bless them and eh, eh, eh. don't curse them. Ah, shoot, he said it. But that's what we do so many times. We bless them with one breath and we curse them with the next. So don't do that. Just bless them. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Why? Because before Jesus, we were the lowly. We were just as lost as anybody else. And by the grace of God, we met Jesus. That's it. That is the difference. We know Jesus and others don't. It's not about how the life that we live or how good we are or anything like that. We've met Jesus and others haven't. And so what do we do with that? We share, right? We share. It keeps going. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought 
to do what is honorable in the sight of all. In other words, think about it. Think about what is honorable in front of everybody. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. In other words, listen, I'm not sitting here saying that if we just love everybody, they're going to love us back. And probably, you know, there's going to be a lot that don't anyway. But what Paul's saying is, as far as you're concerned, live peaceably with everybody. In other words, if there's no peace, don't make it because it's your fault. Love as you can and then let people respond as they might. But let's not have the church be the reason that we don't live in peace with people. Amen. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. In other words, there it is again, I can defend myself. I can defend myself. Verse 20, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay, I want to address this real quick. Some of y'all going, yeah, that's right. I'm going to pour some coals on his head. Yeah. All right, that's not what it means, okay? Pastor James said, if I'm nice to people, it's really going to destroy them, all right? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't say that. You're misinterpreting the scripture. We love to get what we want out of scripture, but that's not what it means. When the Bible says that you'll re, uh, heat burning coals on, on their head, what it, it's talking about conviction, a holy conviction that when you love others, and with a genuine love, it brings conviction onto them. So guess what? They'll change. And that's really what we want, right? I mean, don't we? Do we want to win an argument or do we want people to change and know Jesus? Okay, and so as we love, that's what happens. They start seeing this and, and God brings a godly conviction to them. It's not a, I'm going to be nice to them and ruin their lives by it, okay? It's changing their lives for Jesus, Please hear that. Mm. <laughs> like, darn. <sighs> all right. Mm. But I'll be honest with you. All the things that we're reading here, it is super duper hard. I don't want to feed my enemy. I don't want to give them water when they're thirsty. I want to point and laugh at them. All right, that's my flesh. But I believe what God is honestly doing for us in the church, for those that love Jesus, is he is teaching us what real love is all about. In this last year, when we can look out of what is going on and see these fiery darts, whatever you want to call them, being thrown at, at the church and at our faith and at our beloved Savior. And that's what Peter struggled with in the garden. They were coming after his Savior, who he loves. And he wanted to do something about it. Can we, can we love those people? It was easy before. There was not really, I mean, there was, we were in the world a couple years ago, but it wasn't like it is now. I think what God is saying, what Jesus is saying is, look, can you really do this? Can you really love these people? Because as we do, not only are they changed, but we are also changed. Because what we have to remember is that in all of this, God's only focus is not the enemy, the people, the people that are against us, but he's after us as well. He wants to do a work in us. So if we're just sitting there saying, God, just cancel it all out, just get rid of them. No, 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 no. He's wanted to teach us something as well. And what we have to remember, we were talking about that, this in our pastor's meeting a couple weeks ago. Look, it, we have to remember in all of this that people are not our enemy. 
We are not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. There is only one enemy, and it is not people. As much as it, as much as it might feel that way, it is not. All those people are God's children. All those people he died for, just like he did us. It's powers and principalities that we're against, not other people. Paul wrote this, and this is a really fun one, and I kind of want to get a little more specific here as we read this. Out of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 12. He says, We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. I want to say that one again. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash, right up to the present moment. And I want to, we've, we're talking about, we've been talking so far about kind of the grand world, like a big picture of people and how we as a church need to relate to that. But I want to get specific now and I want to get individual. And I want to talk about if you are walking in your life right now and there is a person or a couple people who have treated you like trash. I mean, and, and there's no other way to say it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Maybe it's an ex-spouse or your parent or a, or a good friend, but someone that you might even classify as an enemy in your life who is doing these exact same things that Paul is talking about here who curse you, who abuse you, who say evil things about you. And you feel like a piece of garbage in their eyes. And I believe there's many of us in here that are walking like that with this anger towards them. And it might be bottled up. It might be pushed way down deep in your heart. But it's there. And with that, the devil still has this foothold on your heart. And he's allowed that there's that little entrance into your life because there's this anger that as much times as you've tried to bless them, they've cursed you. And they keep treating you like garbage. And this morning, as we talk about this, this challenging subject of love, I believe God wants you to release that anger towards those people or that person this morning and let it go. And you might have been hurt. You might have been abused. But know that God loves you. And you might be sitting here saying, James, that all sounds well and good. But I don't know if I can love those people. I don't know if I can do all this and that. Start this way. This is how it all begins. By praying for them over and over again, praying for that hurt, praying for that anger to be gone. And we want to pray with you this morning that you can be released from that. Those in here and those that are watching from home. And I believe that there is that stronghold in, in several people's hearts this morning that you're trying to engage in the world, but it's like you just can't let go fully because you're still mad and you're still hurt. And it's preventing you from taking that step that, that God's been pushing you to take. 
And it's not because you're afraid of what God's pushing you into. It's because you're still holding on to anger and the devil has a foothold on you. It's time to let that go and know that you are a child of God and the devil does not need to have any foothold over you at all. At all. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1, imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. We have the band come back up and we're going to we're going to pray, and then we're going to, we're going to shift gears again in just a minute as well. But I, I, want to, I want to talk about this really quick because it says, imitate God, imitate Jesus. And I want to just think for a second, and we can talk about how, you know, there was so many that hated Jesus, right? And there were. I mean, the church killed him. So many were, were against him, but there was also specifics. And I want to just point this out really quick on the personal level. In John chapter 6 is the first time Jesus references that there was one amongst us, meaning the disciples, who's going to betray him. And so that's the first time that we see Jesus allude to the fact that Judas is going to betray him. I believe he knew the second he called Judas, but this is the first time we see it. And then all the way, it's in John 18, 12 chapters later, 12 chapters of Jesus living his life and doing his ministry, that we see Judas actually betray Jesus. So what's the point? Why am I bringing that up? Because Jesus, knowing that this guy was going to betray him, kept him in his inner circle that whole time, allowed him to have a front row seat to his ministry all that time. Also, while Judas was stealing from the disciples, Jesus kept him. He didn't kick him out. Why? Because Jesus will always, always Always give us every chance we can to turn to him. And so as you feel hurt, as you feel betrayed, Jesus felt it too. To the point where when he was arrested, all of his disciples, not just Judas, but all of his disciples ran and left him alone. And I, I love this story about Peter in the garden, how he wields this sword and in that same chapter, he denies Jesus three times. That's why I think it, you know, it tells us don't be haughty with your faith because we never know what, what, what's going to be around the corner that we do. But listen, Jesus gets it. He's been betrayed. He's blessed those that have cursed him. Some of us in this room being those people. He gets it and he wants to heal your heart. And how that happens is by loving him and loving other people. It's not by getting down on their level and being angry back. But listen, church, we have an opportunity. I mean, it's so, it's right now. The window is now to extend the hand of grace to those around us, just like Jesus did for us. And not to sit on our high horse and think that we're better than anybody else. Even when they curse us, because they're not cursing us. They're cursing their own fear, their own frustrations, and taking it out on us. But if Jesus could handle it on the cross and he's in us, then we can handle it too. And it might be hard at times, really hard at times, but I believe we're up for the task. Why don't we stand up? And I wanna specifically pray for those, for those that are angry.
who knows what the situation is, whether it's one person or several things or just whatever, but you're just walking around with anger. I want to pray for you right now. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you, Lord, that, Lord, you don't get angry with us the way that we get angry with other people. You're a patient God, and you walk with us, and you pick us up when we fall, and you're with us, Lord, in the hard times when people curse us, when people abuse us. Lord, you're there. Lord, I just want to pray right now for all of those that are watching online, that are in this room. Father, for those that are angry with someone in their life that has hurt them, that has wounded them. Lord, I pray right now, Jesus, that you would break those chains of anger. Lord, that any foothold that the devil might have on anyone that is listening to this message, Lord, that you would rid them of that in Jesus' name. Lord, that the enemy would have no place in their hearts over any anger that they might have, Jesus. Lord, for those of us that are struggling, just being believers, being Christians in this world, Lord, God, remind us. Thank you for this reminder this morning of what we're called to do. And that's to love. Teach us, God, what that really means. Teach us to pray, to pray, to pray, to pray like crazy, Father for those that are against us. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity that we have as a church, as the church, to win the lost, to reach out our hand, say, let me introduce you to Jesus, Savior that changed my life, and he can change yours. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.